Welcome to RN.FM, Nursing Unleashed, where every Monday night, nurse bloggers Kevin Ross, Keith Carlson, and Anna Morrison bring you ultra-informative interviews with the top thought leaders in nursing, healthcare, and entrepreneurship. Join us every week for the latest strategies for nursing success from top nursing consultants, business owners, coaches, authors, speakers, and bloggers. It's never been easier to learn how to succeed as a nurse. Welcome to an eye-opening experience you won't won't find anywhere else anywhere else anywhere else welcome and good evening internet radio land thank you so much for joining us tonight on rnfm radio we've got a very special show for you tonight we've actually got our very first nurse practitioner uh on deck and we're very excited uh before we get into that though i want to just uh have kevin and keith say a quick hello how you doing guys uh, we're doing fantastic here, and uh, we just want to do give a little shout-out to all of our tweeters out there, people in the chat room, and actually, don't forget that we are also in Apple iTunes. You can actually check us out on RNFM Radio, so if you're not listening in live tonight, you will be able to uh, hit the archive show on iTunes and, of course, on Blog Talk Radio forward slash RNFM Radio. Uh, thanks, Kevin, and this is Keith. Hello, everyone out there, and... Um, Thanks for tuning in. We're very excited about our guest, who we'll tell you about in just a few minutes. Uh, I actually had a 90-minute massage about two hours ago or three hours ago. So even though I wasn't Dude, just in Mexico, in. Dude, yeah, I'm rubbing it in. Even yes. though I wasn't just in Mexico, um, no I'm pun intended, he's rubbing it in. Nice. Quite good here. So um, it's going to be a great show. Thank you all for being here. And why don't you all go out and get a massage soon too? I'd like to get a massage next time during the show. That's what I'm going to do oh, next that's time. Good idea. <laughs> That'll be great. Exactly. Right? Right? My energy level might drop, though. Who knows? Um, so before we jump into our exciting interview tonight, I want to first list the guests that we've got on deck for ne- the next couple of weeks. We've got some great guests. Um, next week, on the 12th, Beth Boynton, um, who is the author of the book, Confident Voices, the Nurse's Guide to Improving Communication and Creating Positive Workplaces. She will be with us, and uh, we're very excited to host her. In fact, actually, today is her birthday. Um, so, happy birthday, Beth, and uh, we're excited to have you on next week. Happy birthday. <laughs> and following Beth on the 19th, we're going to have Gwen Dalton. She is the CEO and Chief Educator over at Pro Hospice Solutions down in Texas. And she's making a big difference um, with palliative and end-of-life care and particularly education for hospice nurses. Um, she's a big advocate for that, so we're excited to have her on as well. And then finally, on the 26th to round out March, we're going to have Michael Pergram, Coach Perg, from CoachPerg.com, who is uh, a coach that specializes in nursing burnout. So um, we're excited to have Coach Perg on. He's a good friend of ours uh, on social media, and we can't wait to host him as well. So we're looking forward to having all these guys up. But now I'd like to have Keith go ahead and uh, introduce the one and only Jody Hoppus. Thank you, Ms. Morrison. Well, uh, this is Keith again. I'd like to introduce Jody Hoppus, nurse practitioner, and she's from My Mobile Medicine, which is at www.mymobilemedicine.com. And Jody is a nurse practitioner. She graduated from Seattle Pacific University, SPU, in 1993 with bachelor's in nursing and worked in family practice. She then went back and got her Master's of Science and Nurse Practitioner Certification in 1998 and has been in medicine for 16 years. 
focusing mostly on family practice, internal medicine, and gastroenterology. Um, she has three children, and she loves living in Bellingham, Washington, skiing, playing volleyball, gardening, and biking, and we'll talk to her about that. And in 2008, <laughs> Jody started a very interesting uh, nurse entrepreneurial business, which we are so excited to share with you. She started My Mobile Medicine, and as a nurse practitioner, she wanted to bring a personal, more adaptable form of medicine to patients in her county around Bellingham, Washington. And what she actually does is she carries everything she needs in a bicycle trailer, and she bicycles from patient to patient. Um, she can spend much more time with up with patients than doctors and NPs in the office because of her unique situation, and she really tries to blend Western and Eastern medicine and uses concepts from both of those to offer really complete form of care. So we're very excited. This is such an interesting concept. Uh, we met on Twitter, and I had to invite her on the show, and she was kind enough to come on this week. So, Jody, I'd like to introduce you and um, ask you to say hi. Thanks, Keith. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, thank you so much. So, can As are first, we. Yeah, we're all excited. Can you first tell us a little bit about, you know, a little bit about yourself that I didn't mention and what brought you to actually start this incredible entrepreneurial business? Well, I guess the first thing would say I would say is that I never would have thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I married one and thought um I'm I'm not typically an out of the box thinker. So this was a new a new MO for me. Um mm -hmm. I guess I would say how it came about was being in a um pretty busy family practice setting and looking at um increased patient load and more and more demand to get patients through and less time to actually care for them. And at the same time, having three small children and thinking, man, how do I, how am I supposed to balance this? How do I find some time to flex with kids' lives because they are not as cut and dry and they don't tend to um, operate in a nine-to-five schedule like the rest of the world does. Hmm. So figuring out a way that I could be the mom that I wanted to be and do what I wanted to, what I'd love to do was part of the uh, impetus for this, I would say. Mm. Well, that's wonderful. So it sounds like there is, there is a professional aspect of what you wanted to do in terms of delivering better care based on the care you were seeing delivered out there in the community and offices, but also that you wanted to, to create a better life for you and your children, right? Right. I think I uh, have a naturopath friend, and we were talking about how we were raised in a great era of, you know, women can do, you can have it all. You can have an amazing career, and mm -hmm. you can be an amazing mom, and it turns out mm -hmm. that's just mm -hmm. a recipe for straight psychosis, in my opinion, um, to <laughs> yeah. have. It's fabulous, isn't it, that we have that opportunity to do both of those, Um but it can right. um it's it's tricky to figure out how to do that. And um one of I was actually speaking to uh, a nursing class today, uh, a bachelor's nursing class today talking about how um I I don't want to look back on my life and say, Man, I wish I just would have worked more 
you know, there just isn't a lot of people that at the end of their life back to that. And I just feel like I spent too much time with my kids, you know, who says that? And um, I, I kept coming up against this, you know, last minute, Mommy, I'm going to read my poem in class tomorrow. Are you going to be there? And I'm looking at my schedule thinking, oh, how am I going to reschedule eight people that have, you know, committed all this time to this so that I can go do what I really feel like I should do, which is go listen to my child read their poem and that sort of thing. So the idea of maybe having a more flexible schedule, one that I was in control of, um, seemed like a really great idea. Great. Right, right. You know what? I, you know what I liked um, listening to that opening from you, um, where you said, you know, I, I wasn't an entrepreneur, but I married one. It, that for me says that even reluctant entrepreneurs or non-entrepreneurs can themselves evolve and become successful uh, business owners and entrepreneurs. And um, I, I liked that. Can you tell us more about that for your own evolution? Yeah, I um. I mean, I I like to I like to do my own thing for sure, um, but I've mm-hmm. pretty much um, I am I have not historically been a risk taker. Having married right. one, though, I see I get to hear his thought process, and he's challenged me um, just to sort of grow in that in my life, and that's been mm-hmm. that's been really great. I am I'm usually I don't seek out change. I'm not a change junkie by any stretch of the imagination. I like to go the same right. way to my coffee shop all the time. Um <laughs> right. and so I think I think you're absolutely right. I think people we I mean we are not the same people that we were 20 years ago. Life happens to us and sure. we learn and grow and sure. flex and change and so that's that has been really fun for me to go, well, I never thought that I could be this person. And here I am completely out of the box and stretching um, the limit of things. And so that's Mm. fun. That's great. Fantastic. um, Yeah. And Jody, tell us a little bit about what, what your days are like and what you actually do. Because I, I mentioned that you deliver care by bicycle, but can you describe sort of the scenario and what, what your, your care delivery system really consists of? You bet. Um, well, my favorite part about my job is that one day does not look the same about as the other day. So I do, um, I do love being spontaneous. I love um, having my schedule sort of change before my eyes as the day goes on, um, and particularly when I'm on a bike, um, one cancellation or one um, reschedule alters my whole day. So I, I typically wow. see really only, you know, four to five people on average if I'm seeing people in their residences. And that mm-hmm. allows mm-hmm. me, you know, up up to an hour, sometimes more, with each patient if we need to. Um, and then right. there's travel time in between. So, um but then, you know, the next day I may be, um, some, you know, have the morning off and I'm just catching up in my office and doing charts. I do see quite a few people in um, assisted living and adult family homes around Whatcom County. Mm-hmm. So I'm able mm-hmm. to see a few more people at a time. I have several places up here where I take care of 20 or so of their residents. And so I'm right. able to kind of check in on them once a week or so. And, um, you know, I'll see 10 or 12 people in a day when I go to those facilities. 
But mm. yeah, that's sort of what it looks wow. like. It looks a lot. It looks a lot like you know me pulling up sweaty on my in my bike and um, <laughs> use drying off with my towel if it's dumping rain like it usually that's is. Awesome. Here. Although it's snowing here right now, in case you were wondering, which is pretty fun. Oh wow! Um, but I keep a towel in my trailer so that I can sort of you know present look presentable-ish before I show up. And, <laughs> that's great. Um, I keep my laptop and my um, my diagnostic bag with me. So usually just sort of in, unlocking that, cleaning up, and then going in. And, you know, it's really <laughs> delightful being in people's homes. I love... Oh, I'm sure. So many of my patients will, you know, make a cup of tea for me or give me a glass of water and sort of restoring this old hospitality that we used to represent. So it's yeah, very different, yeah. very, very different feel. Um, being in someone's home that it is in the office for sure. Yeah, that's lovely. Well, and and so to, to chime in here, you, you kind of answered the question about who who can benefit um, from you know house calls from a nurse practitioner. I mean, I think if you want to expand on that, that's great. And, and of course, hearing this in the news, how we're getting back to. Uh, that old school type of medicine where we're seeing more people in the homes. And as an RN myself, I, I own a patient advocacy service, and not home health agency per se, but I do see a lot of people in the home, and I bridge a lot of gaps with specialists, and I, and I do triage patients in the home. Um, what type of growth do you see um, in, in this business model for, your, for yourself and you know, just for nurses in general out there? What type of growth did you say? Well, yeah, I mean, is because mm-hmm. we do we do hear about this in the news, uh, reading about it, how we're getting back to more of that old school medicine where people are or healthcare providers are making home visits again, in the sense not just traditional mm-hmm. home health care per se, but just those as we would call them like doctor's visits or you know the doctor coming to you, but you house know, the nurses calls, are yeah. coming to them. Yeah, yeah. So house calls, yeah. Right. Um, I've seen a big shift towards that as you described. When I started looking at this about five years ago, I found a handful of people, at least online, that were doing this, and um, it was it was actually sort of difficult to find that information. And now there are, well, as you mentioned, there's a lot of um, a lot more people that are sort of tossing the brick and mortar aside, if you will, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, trying this. And certainly, you know, that, that our population is not getting any younger. And we're going to end up with a lot more people with mobility issues, and I do I do think there's a huge need for it. Um, the population alone, let let alone the opportunity for prevention and education, and in my opinion, cost saving by being able to see someone in home in their home versus waiting till they're mm-hmm. acutely ill in the in the ER. You know. Right. right. Well. And actually, right. let, hey guys, if I if I want to expand on this, um, if you didn't already know this, Jody, I'm very yeah. I love technology, love love technology, mm-hmm. and um, read about uh, a couple of years ago, um, and I and for the pardon me, you know, sleep deprivation, trying to remember, there was a practice out of New York City um, where they were doing very similar uh, things that you're talking about, like house calls, but they were also um, integrating a very tech heavy piece to it where they could um, sort of monitor patients, you know, via webcam, kind of assess them a little bit uh, via webcam and um, having access to the to the uh, healthcare providers um, via email uh, or Skype. Um, but it was interesting because they were able to uh, seem to 
quickly triage situations and maybe even send somebody out to the home. Um, and in New York City, I mean, I think it was very fairly accessible. I mean, even though it's like densely populated, they were at least able to get to people's homes uh, quite easily um, mm-hmm. using bikes. So, um, do you um, do you use some of this technology in your business? Do you see where that might be beneficial to you as you do grow? Um, you know, sure. technology is is I, in my opinion, what has allowed me to be able to do this at all, um, okay. namely my iPhone, if I could speak for that. Um, sure. I honestly, Please. I don't know how I would, I don't know how <laughs> I would do it without it. <laughs> um, and I have a, you know, I've got my MacBook and I, I am, I know just enough about technology to get me really excited about it and then in trouble. So that's, that's how great I am with that. But, um, don't we all do? You know, I know. So I'm able to use my phone though to um, get internet access on my computer, and my the charting system I use is Practice Fusion, and um, they are a really great um, free EMR option. Um, and so, but they are online. So I definitely use that in my um, in my home where I, I'm able to use my phone as a hotspot and log in. Yep. And um, I use my phone for, you know, taking photos of wounds that I'm looking at and monitoring. And um, I just figured out how to mm-hmm. forward my phone calls during the day to my assistant on my iPhone, um, which was amazing. It saved me from buying a whole new phone system. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well in, done. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. nice. <laughs> but in terms of, like, um, a video appointment or using any, you know, any type of Skype. I have not done any of that, although um, I think it would be pretty great. I think we're a ways away from seeing consistent reimbursement from that, which, which sure. may be coming along here shortly, I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm, I'm actually aware wow. of uh, Practice Fusion, so I, I do know about it. Yeah, they're pretty great. Good. That's cool. So, Anna, cool. Anna, did you have the next question have, lined um, up for you there? I, yeah, I do. Um, I, I wanted to ask, you know, when I look at this model of um, bringing care back to the home, I mean, so much about it makes sense. And I, I from the perspective of the patient, um, you know, doing more preventative care before we get to the acute care setting and, and you know, <laughs> I work acute care, and so it's it's like rearranging deck chairs sometimes when you you know you feel like God had had this been caught earlier, you know we we wouldn't be where we are, and um, so I see the benefit in that way. I see the benefit in in um, declogging ERs. I mean, there's so many benefits, but I want to ask a question. You know, I have a very dear friend who is an NP. She probably you know, at this point is pressured to see 25, 30 patients a day. And that is um, distressing, to say the least, to her, because she doesn't feel as though she can provide the type of care she'd like to provide to her patients um, because she just doesn't have the physical time in the day to do that because of the, you know, the pressure from the powers that be. Um, And so I'm wondering from a profitability standpoint for you and for this model, um, when when one sees four or five patients a day, it's fantastic for the patient. It's fantastic for the type of care they're getting, and, it, and it's great for you in the sense that you can provide great care. But how is that balanced out um, profitability-wise? Well, that is a really good question, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know the answer to it. 
Um, that's so okay. Far, you don't have to. It's just a question I think to consider. Yeah, here's this is what I keep dreaming, that someone is going to come along and say, you know what we want to do? We have this grant money that we just don't know what to do with, and we would just like to pay you a salary to do what you're <laughs> doing. Do How does you. that sound? Right. Yeah, but somehow right. I haven't gotten that call yet. So um, in the meantime, the what I can fine. say – yeah, exactly um, – in the meantime, I, I believe that it can be profitable, and here's why. Um, okay. the, number of, the number of personnel it takes to run an actual office is really, really high, and the more complicated insurance okay. gets, the more billing hours and personnel are required, and the more paperwork we throw into all of this with HIPAA and everything, the more front sure. office staff is required, and et cetera, et cetera. And so taking away all of that so that it's myself and my assistant and um, I use a, a billing company here in town, um, it significantly lowers my overhead. So that's, that's great. And the reimbursement is actually a little bit higher for seeing people in their homes than it is in an office. And um, it is actually quite a bit higher, believe it or not, in assisted living in adult family homes more so than in a residence. So I, I can get I can get paid more seeing someone in a facility than in their home, okay. which um, it seems okay. a little bit odd okay. to me because typically I end up spending more time in a home than doing a facility because these people have less sure, resources sure. Than to be. So. Um, my vision, though, is that this will be profitable. It's not. It's not my um, plan to become a millionaire. I guess I could say that. But um, <laughs> sure, I believe, sure. with all my heart, that um, there is a way to make it so that I'm at least making, you know, a reasonable salary, something close to I use what sure. I used to make. Um, so I, I do think the right, model works, right, right. but um, you know, it doesn't take too many glitches in, you know, Medicare denial denials or, you know, that sort of thing to to throw the system off, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jody, that's, that's really interesting. I have it, a follow-up question. Oh, go ahead. Okay, go, go ahead, ahead, Anna. Go ahead, Keith. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I can ask you later. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm just curious, in terms of the profitability and in terms of your business model, do you, do you see through to bringing on other people and expanding your reach or expanding your ability to be in more than one place at a time. I mean, I know as a mother, you're, you're probably in three places at one time already with three children, but can you see bringing in other NPs or even non-NPs to help you with some of the tasks to expand the business um, to some extent? Yes. In fact, um, I'm hoping within the next three to six months um, hopefully closer to three, to bring on another nurse practitioner that would be interested in working closer to full-time. And um, I'm hoping that that will offset some of the cost of my overhead. And because um, I really do, uh, the management side of things takes a bit of time, certainly, and much more than I anticipated. And... Um, I don't right. want to be working, you know, as much as I even am right now. I would love to back off just a little bit so I could be a little more present with my my little people. But um, I do hope, if, ideally, if I could have two more nurse practitioners on board working with me and um, a phlebotomist is something else that I'm trying to figure out. Um, mm. 
there's the labs at least mm-hmm. where I am right here they will they will go into the facilities on a routine basis but I can't get anyone to go uh, do a lab draw at, at people's home so mm. um, so at some point I would love to be able to add on a phlebotomist and I have never been one and there's there's too many logistic issues particularly when I'm biking to um, carrying the specimen and getting them to the lab in a timely matter and a, an unsmashed up fashion that that hasn't I haven't been able to figure that out right right that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense sure but in theory the numbers look like that that would actually make it um that would make it profitable so we'll see okay great that's great well I have a crazy question how many miles do you bike per week seeing clients all over uh Bellingham Washington I mean, you must I'm like totally fascinated by this. Well, I don't know exactly per week, and definitely each week is different. Um, but I got my bike um, in November of last year, and I've put 1,500 miles on it just from mm-hmm. biking. So wow. whatever that works out to be, you know, wow. I guess somewhere between 10 and it's so not four it, you know, months. Between, five, yeah. No, last a year ago, November. So what are you doing bad weather? Well, <laughs> it depends. Um, if it's icy, I don't bike. Um, and there certainly are times with even just the logistics of, you know, my children that I'll, I'll end up needing to go see a patient or use my car to go see them because I'm going to grab my kids right afterwards or that sort of thing. Um, but, there's mm-hmm. I bike mm-hmm. in the rain and the and the nastiness and if I didn't I would never get on my bike around here because the stereotypes are true it rains here all the time so right. I guess we get used to it probably <laughs> more than time. other parts of the world yeah if you plan on only going outside in great weather you just you just rarely go outside so I've got good waterproof gear yeah. and a towel mm-hmm. nice nice good that's great good no bad well, weather only bad clothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, mm-hmm. and I can understand those uh, limitations with the kiddos, too, because I sometimes think about biking around to see my patients or uh, jumping on the bus and taking my laptop with me and writing out notes and dictating stuff and whatever. But, you know, yeah, I've got three kids that I, I uh, look after as well and have to pick them up. So it can be a little prohibitive. Um, yeah, it, it can be. And I actually, um, I yeah. really wanted, it was important to me to try to do this by bike. Um, and just for the the health model of it, for my own personal health, for, uh, you know, right. maybe a way back to something mm-hmm. that's more sustainable. And But I, I do I do tend to operate pretty right. heavily on guilt. And so I'm, I'm learning to just kind of let myself not feel guilty if there's times when I need to get on four wheels and go see someone. So right. that's a learning process for me. Yeah. Right. Well, Jody, I don't think yeah. we're going to hold it against you if you have to get yeah. in a car once in a while. It's okay. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I accept that. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. I I just buy like more carbon offsets that month if I have to drive more. So you know. There you so, go. That's it. That's back into my. You you know. Nurse practitioner carbon offsets. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, a new business model for you, Kevin. I know exactly. Serial entrepreneur here. You better watch out. You get me started. So, so the exciting stuff now, let's talk about uh, what projects are you working on right now? We'd love to hear more about that. 
Well, my main projects are um, figuring out my my assistant just came on working with me every day, and so mm-hmm. we've been figuring out the logistics of that, and that's just fabulous. I can't even tell you how nice it is to have someone here, um, and I can just give a call and say, hey, we need wound care on this patient. Can you order that and get the paperwork running, and can you check lab work on this patient? Can you, you know, and that's that's been really, really helpful to, for me to be more timely. So that's a project in of itself because I've, I've never run a business before, it turns out. And um, so I'm learning all the steps about, you know, everything. It's all brand new. Um, and then my next biggest thing is, um, like I said, looking at hiring another nurse practitioner. And it's a very, um, it, it's right. a very unique position, I guess you would say. So um, it's, it's a little bit um, scary to me to figure out how I'm going to find that person that really does want to bike around and shares my same vision for caring for people and this a more holistic approach and, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm anxious to see who that person will be. Um, that's my, I guess those are my main projects mm-hmm. right now. Nice. Now, um, you know, as far as like uh, setting up like office space and stuff, have you thought about, uh, I was, I actually took the opportunity to learn more about this, about uh, co-working spaces. I even did a blog post on Innovative Nurse about co-working spaces, which is interesting as a nurse. Uh, typically, co-workers are um, entrepreneurs out there, solopreneurs, a lot of them. They're more of the creative type. You know, They sit behind a computer quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. and do creative jobs and whatever. But I found myself among them, of course. It was very – I did have some uh, barriers, of course, with HIPAA, making sure that I – Obviously, didn't take phone calls around them, or you know, it was very confidential. But what about um, you know, sort of a co-working space for nurses, nurse practitioners, people, nurse practitioners, you know, people that you know, you know, like-minded, they totally understand that kind of HIPAA piece. There, you can kind of share office space, share expenses, um, and each of you are you know doing your own thing, but ultimately you're sort of sharing that space. I mean, is that something you've kind of thought about, or maybe I just put that idea in your head? No, you did just put that idea in my head. I, the idea of co, um, co-sharing a space has been there. Um, yeah. But like you said, um, you know, I love the idea. Who needs? We don't need 14 fax machines, one for each business, right? You know, so we could we could share that. No. But yeah. this this concept of patient privacy really does throw that. You know, I can't have a fax coming in. I can't have a shared fax machine um, when I have faxes coming in all. You right. Know, well, but yeah, you're right. If you were to if you were to look at a specific, you know, everyone on the same page in terms of privacy, everyone kind of sure. on the same direction, mm-hmm. that that actually could be really great. I maybe about. you and I, maybe you and I should talk because I can yeah. tell you how I did it uh, and and sort of maintain that confidentiality. But I think it it sounds like that might be a great little opportunity for you to partner with other healthcare providers out there on office space. Um, yeah, because especially you're not necessarily seeing patients in your office per se, but you do need a place to, um, you know, sort of sit down and get things done outside of your home. Um, right, and, right. And currently, it is in my home, and it would be nice to have it not be right, in my home forever. Right. Yeah. There's so many, so many ways that you could really um, expand that idea, and and like I said, maintain confidentiality. We'll we'll, we'll talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Jody, it. I'll. I'll just give a plug for Kevin here. You know, he has InnovativeNurse.com, and Kevin is really an innovator, and he loves technology, as he said. And he's always thinking, 
you know, quote-unquote, outside the box about ways that people can collaborate and use technology in collaborative ways. So, you know, I would recommend talking to him because he's he is one smart guy. <laughs> thank you, sir. <laughs> that I is appreciate good that. to know. I will yeah. thank you. Yeah, I'll second that. <laughs> yeah. I'll Thanks, I'm blushing. Sure. I'm blushing. Uh, I'm glad we're not. I'm glad they can't see you blush right now. <laughs> so, Jody, I have a question for you in terms of um, advice you would want to give nurses who want to become nurse entrepreneurs. Because there's there might be some nurses out there thinking, you know. I'd like to not be in an office or I'd like to not be at the bedside. And what have you learned in this risk-taking venture as a non-risk taker? <laughs> so speak. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, um, I have a friend who is a psychologist. She's doing this study on this concept of flourishing, hmm. you know, thriving, loving what you do, finding that work that sort of combines your gifts and your passions. And um, that work is hard, um, but it's the kind that you look up and hours have passed and you didn't realize it, you know, and that's sort of a clue that maybe that's something that that drives you and, you know, fills you, you know, that type of work. So Mm -hmm. um, I've been, I love that idea of Mm -hmm. um, really looking and saying, what do I love to do? You know, because we can spend our lives banging our head against the wall saying, I guess we'll just do this because it's what I should do or... But my, I guess my advice would be, like, spend some time thinking, wow, what are those things that I love? Maybe it's education. Maybe you just love being able to educate people and look for ways to end up there. And, um, and then I guess, like I said, um, risking. You know, I, I think I sort of always had this illusion that mm-hmm. um, successful people never failed you know, that somehow they just sort of knew how to do it right the first time. Um, And so letting that go, you know, not unlike parenting where everyone thinks you know what you're doing, but you honestly don't have any idea and you're just figuring out each day as you go along. Um, I think realizing that probably most people that are running a business are doing the exact same thing. They They don't know exactly how to do everything and they're trying and they're willing to fail and, um, you just sort of plan on failing in some sort, and you do it anyway. Mhm, mhm. That's great. And mm-hmm. you know, you're talking That's about. That's a great fl- point. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're talking about flourishing, flourishing and shining and thriving and loving what you do. And you identified the things that you love, and it sounds like bicycling is one of them. Right. Mm-hmm. I hope. It is. And it, it sounds is. like. It, if you love bicycling, I assume you also love taking care of yourself and being a healthy person. And so you're actually embodying what you'd like to teach your patients in terms of self-care and in terms of living a healthy lifestyle. So that's that's beautiful symbiosis. It is. How I just I feel lucky that I get to do that. And mm. I think it's really really hard, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to tell someone they should quit smoking when you have a cigarette hanging out of your mouth. And it's it's hard to be right. the the leader saying, you know, you have to you have to get out and move every day. Figure out a way to get out and move every day when you don't you don't ever do that. And I think, you know, my my brother actually lives right next door and he is and and my sister in law are ridiculous bikers. They they both bike commute and have inspired me, and seeing them is enough to go, you know what, 
they they were a lot a big part of my inspiration of you know what why don't I try this and so the more people that try it I think the more that other people go you know what I bet I could bike with my kids to school and that would get me out moving or I bet I could leave my car and walk even though it's only a mile you know so I think I think part of being a leader is saying I'm willing to um, practice what I'm preaching a little bit and then a huge part of that is just selfish for me thinking how on earth am I going to work and have three kids and ever exercise? And so, you know, being able to build that into my job. I think it's fantastic. You've married a lot of, you know, yeah. 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 It's great. Absolute dream. So let me ask you this. You know, I'm assuming that you are likely the only uh, biking NP in your community, um, which in and of itself would be somewhat of an attraction, I'm sure. But aside from being that sort of novelty, what else do you do to attract, uh, whether it's clients, partners, whomever, uh, to your business? How do you let people know you're out there? Well, I am sort of um, what you would call an anti-marketer. Um <laughs> I I hate 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 the thought <laughs> yeah, of seeing cool. my face on a billboard or sending out flyers saying you should come see me. I just it makes me cringe and I just don't want to do it. Um what I love is when someone says, "You know who you mm-hmm. should use? You should go see this person." That's what makes me want to use somebody right. is when somebody that I respect says, "You know what? I really like this person. I trust them. Um you should use them." And that's that's true for not uh-huh. just healthcare. You know, that's you know, who should I who should right. I have sure, on my house? Who should I you know, whatever. And so, um so thankfully though, I, I have gotten lucky and gotten um quite a bit of media coverage, I suppose because it's just an odd thing. There's not a ton of nurse practitioners out there biking doing house calls. And so um the novelty of it I think has mm-hmm. gotten me mm-hmm. more more exposure than I deserve certainly. So that's been um, that's been really fortuitous for me because a lot of people said, you know, I read about you in the paper right. or I saw you on the news and, you know, and so that's that's just mm-hmm. dreamy for me because then I didn't have to put my face on the side of a bus and I still get business. Right. The rest. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Well, you know, I, I always tell my, my clients that um, it, in some ways, well, I would say in many ways, traditional marketing is dead. Um, I, I can't tell you the last time I made a decision to go anywhere, do anything, or buy from anyone based upon a billboard or a sign on the side right. of a bus. Um, I think that more and more we are making our decisions based on you know relationships. And you actually used two words when you spoke about that. You, you said... Um, I love it when people tell me about someone because they say, oh, you know, I really like this guy. I really trust him. These words like and trust imply relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, traditional marketing is dead, but what is not dead is the power of creating relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think it's those relationships, actually, that are our best marketers. It is the those the, the time and effort and energy that we put into to um creating relationships with others that, that pay dividends for us far and wide uh, for our businesses beyond what a billboard or a direct marketing piece um, or an email could ever do. Um, absolutely. So I, I applaud you for and sort of rejecting that traditional marketing. Um, oh, good. Oh, well, I just went with my gut, so there you go. Um, 
I think I was thinking good. about this. Good for you. Your gut was right. <laughs> I know, yes. Yeah. Um, it seems like, you know, as a culture, maybe we're, we tend to be a little bit more isolated, certainly, than we were, um, you know, 50 years ago. We're less in community, as, you know, we're more technology uh, focused. And yet, I think you're absolutely right. It's people that make us feel alive and connected and um I think maybe even the success, the success of social media speaks to that desire for relationship and feel connected. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I have loved that about um, Twitter, just the sense of, you know, yeah. people across, you know, our nation and other countries connected by a common, you know, goal. And I, just, I, I love that, yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, I think like we said it's off fantastic. the air. Fantastic, I know. Yeah, well, we said, you know, off the air. I mean, we, we are building community here on social media. And, of course, Anna, Keith, and myself, I mean, we discovered each other online and through Twitter and our blogs. And now, of course, we formed Unbound Media Group, you know, our company together. And, uh, you know, so uh, and, and on this radio show, we're creating community. Uh, we hope, mm-hmm. anyway. So yeah. all you listeners out there. Um, and we've never even met in person. <laughs> I know it. That is so crazy. I love that. I know. Isn't it crazy? Cool. Cool. Pretty cool. I think it's fantastic. Yep, it is. So, Jody, you get a chance to do a do-over as an entrepreneur. What would you do differently, or what would you keep the same? you have any thoughts on that? You know, I would take a business class. (laughs) I would take a class called How to Run a Business. um, Oh, that. And I would have... Done that first, <laughs> um, and that so would have maybe fun. saved me a lot of pain, because you know all of the years of school I've done none of them, with the exception of my statistics class, which I hated every second of, um, did not yeah. teach me anything about right. running a business. And and in fact, you know, I didn't go into I didn't go into nursing. I didn't become a nurse practitioner because I wanted to be in business. That that doesn't drive me. What you know, what drives me is um, right. teaching and prevention and um, connecting with people and making them feel like they're heard and that sort of thing. So I never, I mean, I don't know that I would have paid attention, actually, to a business class in, you know, in school if I had been required to take right. one. But looking back, um, it would be great if there was a, so you're 40 and you want to start a business, here's a little, you know, one-on-one sort of thing. Um, that that would have been helpful. Um, but honestly, I, um, you know, there's been decisions that I've made that I had to make at the time that I wish I could go back and um, knowing what I know now, I would have made a different decision, you know, just in terms of uh, personnel and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, some of those things I think you can't know till you're till you're in them. So, um, yeah. So So learning by experience and learning. Before we move on, I just wanted to go ahead and. Sorry, sorry. I think we might have a little bit of a lag. Um, I just wanted to go ahead and announce our call-in number, three four seven three zero eight eight zero six four. For anybody who's got any questions for Jody um, about her business model, about what she's doing. Heck, if you've got a question about uh, general herpes, you've got a nurse practitioner on the line. Go ahead and call in. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Three four seven three zero eight eight zero six four. Oh dear. 
Exactly. All right. Go ahead, I gotta, Kevin. Proceed. <laughs> Kevin, you had a question? No, I was. I I got this rash. It just won't clear <laughs> up, and I just. Oh, hold on. Let, let me hold on. Let me pull I it up here it. on the webcam. Oh wait, let it, let's get it you on Skype away. first, so we can we're, see it. Right. We're going to utilize some of that technology that we've been talking about, Jody. So That's I'm going right. to we're going to crash course. Let's get a video of that rash. Yes, right. I'm going to talk. We're going right. to talk through this together. I'm going to talk you through this. Right. He'll send you a picture of it over his iPhone, and then you can That's upload great. it to YouTube. Just put it up on and... Facebook, and I'll look at it. Yeah, we're going right. to diagnose right over the air. Right, right. <laughs> and, and we had Kevin sign, sign a disclosure. Rash, I guess. So, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Right. So, Jody, um, what would you say the skills are that you've needed or that you've developed, um, having discovered that you needed them, to really be successful as a, a quote-unquote, reluctant entrepreneur because you are out there in the public and and running your own business? You know, the the first thing that comes to my mind is um, figuring out yourself and understanding what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and try to sort of dive into some of your weaknesses and see how you can round those out a bit. And one of my main things is, um, although I was born a week early, um, pretty much since then, I am a ridiculous procrastinator. And so if there's a project that I have due, <laughs> I think about it. I keep it in the back of my mind. But I, And if I don't know exactly how to do something, I'll put it off until the very last minute until it has to get done right then. And so that's been really insightful and painful to learn about myself and um, trying to make a stack of those things that I am putting off and try to just jump in and get them done and maybe not be so perfectionistic about them, but just jump in and learn them. Um, so that's that's been a challenge for me to just say, you know what, I know this about myself and here's here's how I can either change the way I run my business based on that or I can figure out a way to grow in that or maybe both. So. Mm. Well, interesting. I, I would just ask, um, because we're all coaches, so I have to ask the question, have you ever worked with a business coach? Mm-hmm. I have not. I have not. Uh-huh. Okay. Just a question. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm shopping around for one myself right now, so there you go. I think it would be really, I think it would be fabulous, <laughs> though, you know, someone okay. to say, here's what I see in you, here's here's areas that I think you should grow in, and I think, I think it would be really great. I would right. trade someone for a pap smear in a heartbeat. Right, right. Oh, there you go. Well, great. Okay. Let me sign right. up. I'll give you some advice. I could use a pap there smear. There you go. <laughs> we, could, we can barter just fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about bartering. I <laughs> do. I love that. Well, I love aren't that. we bringing this back old school? I mean, making house I calls. I love bartering. I, mean, yeah. I love it. I, I barter services. Don't tell the IRS that, though. Does, does yeah, the iPhone do. have a pap smear app? I was wondering. No, oh, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm sorry, Jody. I don't think iPhone. I don't think there's an app for that yet. So yeah. there may not be. Can you yeah. get on that? I I can turn you onto a few other apps, but for that, yeah. <laughs> I don't, that I, yeah, I'm I'm gonna we'll work on that. That may be kind of Star Trek level. So okay, before you know, we we'll, totally gen- <laughs> generate. Okay. I love mean, the generated Jody. We always degenerate. I know it, it, it's our nature. Um, you know, Jody, I want to ask you how 
particularly has being a nurse and a nurse practitioner informed and shaped your experience as a business owner? Well, that's a good question. You know, it's it's been challenging for me to combine the two because I really, mm-hmm. you know, I I like I would prefer, like I mentioned, to just have someone give me a grant and then I don't have to charge anybody for it and I can just spend as much time as I need with them. Um, so initially they, they seemed almost opposed to each other and I'm not sure that I'm completely over that yet. Um, mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. there, it goes against my nature to say, you know, here I'm, I would like to help you. I would like to come alongside you in this process. I would like to, you know, teach you and educate you and here's what I would recommend and now that will be $100. And I, I get that that's at the very core of business. Right, but right. Personally, that's that's really tr- challenging for me, and I would prefer to just ignore that entirely. Um, but such is not the case. Um, so, but I, I would say, um, you know, my the main uh, the main thing I bring from being a nurse is, I guess, this idea of looking at the whole picture, and that that would probably sum up my. Um, certainly my undergraduate um, education as a nurse to just um, looking at the whole picture rather than looking at things as um, compartmentalized. So I suppose I I bring some aspect of that to business. But honestly, I'm learning how to merge the two. Well, and I th- I think, um, <clears throat> you know, as we've talked a lot about, about, you know, being nurses, and I think it's, it's an advantage um, you know, being a nurse and an entrepreneur, because we can sort of assess, triage the situation, um, and, and break things down, and then you know we create our, our, our care plan, so to speak, uh, and, mm-hmm. in, a, in a business format. Yeah, yeah, so, that's a good point. We're used to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that Don? Is he on? I I also wanted to just say that is Don Wood. We have got. We I was just going to say we have a caller on the line. Uh, we have got. Don Wood. He is a a CRNA, actually, and he would like to uh, come on the air and talk. So I'm going to bring him on real quick, okay? Hey, Jody. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing great, thank you. Um, I went through my training back in the 75 to 77 era. And, of course, nowadays, nurse practitioner is a a much more uh, cemented in type of thing. And one thing that I want to ask you is, do you think that the business aspect of being a nurse practitioner needs to be emphasized more within the uh, uh, traditional training of nurses, pra- nurse practitioners, as far as uh, in the master's program and that type of stuff? I think that's a really good point. It would certainly be beneficial, and if we're training people up to be leaders and entrepreneurs, um, that we clearly can't keep ignoring that that information is part of the part of the picture, right? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Right. Mm-hmm. And you well, were one of the pioneers. Absolutely. Right. It, it, it yeah. just seems to be the fact that, uh, you know, we, we teach the clinical part very well. We teach the communication with the patient very well and how to, uh, you know, connect with them and the relationship needs to be established. But there is also a business of being an entrepreneur, of being a nurse practitioner, that um, it takes a little mm-hmm. bit extra to put that in there. It's not part of the 
quote, usual clinical part of uh, being a nurse practitioner that we learn and everything. My daughter, of course, having uh, gone through being a nurse practitioner not too long ago, none of that was ever uh, discussed with her. And I've talked with her about some of the things as far as, uh, you know, if she should, um, you know, look at the different aspects being an employee versus an independent practitioner, that type mm-hmm. of stuff and everything, and also some of mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. venues that are available to nurse practitioners nowadays, uh, writing and speaking, uh, that type of stuff and everything. It just doesn't seem to be covered with any traditional nurse practitioner training that we have nowadays. Right. I would agree with you. I think I, I, no. it honestly never crossed my mind to work for myself until five years ago. So it certainly wasn't something that I, you know, envisioned when I was in school. And I, I think I think you're right. If we don't start that, even plant that seed and prepare nurse practitioners for other roles, then th- those roles won't be expanded, you know, if they're not prepared for them. So that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Well, so, uh, you know, Don or, or Jody, Absolutely. Do, you, do you know, um, do you have any idea, and maybe Don, you know, uh, because maybe you've done some research, typically for for a physician, um, you know, prior to residency or internship residency, you know, when they're in med school, what what kind of um, support do they get? Uh, because typically, uh, you know, we do see physicians, you know, once they graduate, go through their internship residency, uh, they either go into private practice or, you know, they contract with a hospital or become a surgeon or whatever subspecialty they they do. Do you do you have any knowledge of that? Like how much time is spent grooming them? to be, you know, self-employed or entrepreneurs? I haven't really seen all that too, too much uh, when I was working with some residents and everything, as far as our family practice residents, that they had that much uh, introduction into the business part. It was sort of like, well, you can uh, graduate from here and go on out, or you can work for our healthcare system type of thing. So um, it it just seemed to be sort of, uh, you know, it's here or there, but not what can you do mm-hmm. to make your future for you. Okay. Hmm. Well, and then to expand on that, do you think that because of the the way that, you know, we see the healthcare system right now crippled by uh, fewer PCPs, at least, you know, general practitioners out there, family practice, docs, you know, we're seeing few of those, fewer of those, and and we're getting more NPs in in that space. Is it just a matter of, I mean, is there a mindset of just to sort of crank them out, and then you know, just sort of send them out, just so we have like practitioners out there providing support? I mean, I don't necessarily think we're setting them up for success, especially because, I mean, again, I'm an entrepreneur. I speak from that. I speak that language, no, but no. it's like you, it's like you're tripping into this. Like, I just, I don't really see where the the support is. Yeah, I agree. A tripping into it, it, was, it would be a very good description of how I've gone about this, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to be tripping, but it, there, I certainly would have loved to have some more tools along the way. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe well, that's right, an opportunity right. for some okay. Well, Don, thank you so much for your question. Oh, you're quite welcome. I uh, enjoy listening. And, uh, Jody, uh, I wish you thank great success in your work there and everything. Thanks. And uh uh, I just think it's a fantastic thing to be able to get your exercise in as well as being able to take care of your patients so well uh, as much as you do and be able to devote a little bit of time to them, be able to listen to them and their concerns and their cares and everything. So uh, thank you so much for doing all of that. Well, thank you for calling Great. in. Nice talking with you. Yeah, thanks, thanks Don. Don.
I think there's a little bit of lag, Jody. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. I'm I'm feeling lag over on my end. Yeah, that's okay, Jody. I was taking care of her okay. in the studio here. I was like ragging her a little bit. Don't worry, I got her. Um, so are <laughs> so do we do we need to uh, take a break at this point here, uh, Anna? Oh, uh, Kevin, I I just had one question from Twitter. Yeah, let's go, let's go ahead. For the break. Oh, you did. We got a question. Sweet. Yeah, we have a question from the tweet chat. And, go for uh, it. Go for it. Shari Lynn 88 asked, Jody, do you find that the gained time with each patient has helped you with diagnosis and treatment? Um, I definitely do. Ten minutes, in my opinion, is not enough time to get a full history and um, do a full exam, let alone really understand what's going on in that patient's environment to to, you know, that's affecting their treatment. I think the biggest impact it has been is in education. Um, for example, I'm talking to a patient and I'm sitting, you know, I'm in their kitchen with them so I can see, you know, food out on the counter or, um, you know, a pile of prepared food in the corner with a woman whose blood pressure is 200 over 100 and she doesn't really eat that much salt. Um and in my office, I would have no other option, right, except for to take her word at it. But when I'm staring at all the sodium in those cans and I'm realizing that that is the reality of what she has to eat, then that drastically affects the way that I'm able to educate her as well as treat her. And when you don't have that information, you're just sort of going off of um, what you hear and what, what people are able to communicate to you in that tiny little window of time. And I, I also find that, um, and I know this is true for myself, when I have a short period of time to say everything I needed to say, all my questions, I get, you know, I get nervous and I don't I don't have time to say everything I meant to say. And so a more relaxed atmosphere with a little bit longer time period, I find that people are able to get their questions asked and be able to give me information that I wouldn't have been able to get out of them um, in a more hurried time set in a clinic. Mm. Yeah. That's very that's very mm. well said, Jody. And um, you know, when I was a nurse case manager and managing, you know, dozens of patients in their homes, that's something I would do and my patients were used to it. They were used to me coming into the home, sitting down with them, having a glass of water, hanging out with their kids, taking twenty minutes to really get more of a sense of what their lives are really like. And they would mostly allow me to go through their kitchen cabinets and their fridge and we'd look at the food they were buying and we'd read the ingredient labels together. And yeah. it was very clear to me when I was seeing clients in the health center, we couldn't do that. And I really right. had to just, I had to take their word mm -hmm. for it, like you said. And there was so much information lost and so much intimacy lost in the relationship. Mm-hmm. It is. And, you know, mm -hmm. back to that word trust, to when someone has sat still with you and <clears throat> you're sharing a cup of tea or a drink of water and you're, you have time to express your story and vice versa, there is a trust that's there that I think um, is one of the, the lack of it. I think it's a huge driving force in our malpractice world where if someone that comes in and is only mm. able to spend five times with you, five minutes with you, you don't get your questions answered, they're abrupt or whatever, by very nature of, you know, time limitation. 
and you walk away thinking they don't care about me. They didn't. They didn't. They don't really know what's happening with me. And there's this seed of, mm-hmm. you know, mistrust. I guess you would say that um, a lot of that can be done away with just by being able to sit and be present and um, be connected. Right. Exactly. And um, Sherry Sherry Lynn, who asked that original question, she wrote, never thought of that, Jody, getting a look into their personal lives to be able to educate and help improve people's lives. So she wanted to respond to you about that. Yeah, thanks, Sherry. Right. Well, you know, and and like I said, well, and to add to to Keith and to Jody really quick, it's like I said, when we do see our patients in the home, and I, I see them regularly myself, um, you know, patients can be pretty fair historians at times, especially when you're kind of jamming it in in 10 minutes of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that, that level of intimacy, it's such an investment in their care. Um, mm-hmm. you know, quite frankly, going back to what you're mm-hmm. talking about with reimbursement, I just, you know, it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that, you, you know, the insurance doesn't see the value in that mm-hmm. and how just spending some time in the home you know, that extra time in the home, um, by doing that and, and truly educating, we can avoid those acute care uh, settings a lot more, you know, keeping people out of those hospital settings, the ER, urgent care, um, by just diving into the home and what's going on there and, yep. and just really kind of getting down to the root of, of some of the issues. Right. So. And, you know, our clogged up ERs are, are a big problem and, the ERs are valuable. I don't. I don't function oh, yeah. as an emergency room. You know, if someone's got a compound fracture, I don't want to see them. I want them to go to the ER. If they've got, sure. you know, a cardiac emergency, I don't want to see them right. in their home. And so there's a you know huge need for that. But there's also a huge need to scoop up some of those right. um, primary care needs that um, either could be addressed in their home or could have been prevented, like you said, um, you know, days and and weeks mm-hmm, prior. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I, I have found, I am I am enamored with this population of people that have lived through the de- depression and they they don't want to bother anybody. Uh-huh. And they don't oh, yeah. they are just they are the just the sweetest um diminishing <laughs> generation. And um I can only imagine what we're gonna be like when right, we're right. you know, when we're eighty and ninety. <laughs> um but to be not to realize that, and graceful. No, no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, but these are Sadly. people who say, you know, my daughter is so busy, and she, you know, she, she doesn't. I don't want to have to bug her to come take me into the, you know. And so yes, yeah. you know, this cellulitis seems to be getting a lot worse, but she's really busy, and I don't, you know. And so, I, in my opinion, particularly in the elderly population, there's a lot of those things that go uncared for because they don't want to bother somebody. And um, and also mm-hmm. to to sort of maybe gender stereotype, I'm finding that a lot of men, um, even more of my own peer age, are unwilling to go in and um, take the time off work or, you know, bother somebody right. about a complaint that really does need to be addressed. And honestly, they don't want to go into a waiting room. And um, so I have found right. that to be a population that I didn't expect to... Um, to be resisting accessing health care um, simply from not wanting to bother people. Mm. Right, right. Hmm. That's a really, really good point. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit, and I want to get personal. I want to ask you, as 
as a business owner, as a nurse practitioner, as an entrepreneur, what motivates you? Um, I would say it motivates me to feel like I stepped into somebody's life and it made a difference. It mattered that I'm there. And I'm a, I'm a big believer that we can touch people's lives and make, you know, this place a little bit better. And like you had talked about earlier, um, people are what, it's, it's what makes us feel alive and it's what makes us feel connected and we can have all the technology in the world, but, um, so honestly, that's what drives me is to feel like I made a difference and that because Mm -hmm. I was there, someone's life is going to be a little bit better. And, um, Luckily, I'm not I'm not driven um, by financial gain, so that worked out well in my favor. In my favor, um, I just <laughs> I Great. yeah I just love feeling like um, it mattered to me that I was there and someone's life is a little bit better because of it. So. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Really. Well. I'm sorry, Keith, were you going to... Kevin, gonna... is that you? Are I know, Kevin, go right ahead. Go no, no, right I didn't ahead. know if you were going to... Well, you know, we were going to sort of go, like, deeper and darker here, uh, <laughs> Jody, and talk about... you are so polite. <laughs> I know. I'm just bracing her. I'm a gentleman, just letting her know. Thank you so. for the and, warning. And a scholar. You and are. a scholar, I must say. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. So, do you... Um, you know, sort of looking deep into yourself as a practitioner, as an entrepreneur, what's your greatest fear? And, um, you know, how do you manage that fear? My greatest fear, I suppose, is that I can't make this work. That um, somehow I've put the time into it and I can't make it feasible because when it all comes down to it, um, in order for it to be sustainable, I do have to make some money. So that's that's my greatest fear is that I um, I can't make that make that work. And I guess second, my second greatest fear, maybe not in that order, um, is that um, you know I I just want to do the right thing, and so I'm often afraid that you know I'm, I I take a lot of thought and care about decisions I make when I'm prescribing or not prescribing and um, um, knowing that I, you know, am, have that much power sort of over people's lives, that, that frightens me. That's, that, that certainly is a fear that drives me to stay educated and stay updated and um, connected. So, Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Jody, thank, thank you for, um, for being so, so forthright and honest with us about that because I think you know, in nursing school, we all learn a lot about diagnosis and assessment and planning, and we obviously, we've already talked about the fact that we don't learn about business, even in um, mm-hmm. master's degree programs, but I don't think we also have a lot of time to talk about what our fears are, what our challenges are, what's out there, you know, in that big, scary nursing world out there. So I think talking about it now and letting people hear what you have to say and what the soul-searching you've done and how the fears do come up, I think it's it's very important to model that for other people, and I, I want to honor you for, for being so honest and, and open with us. 
Well, thank you. You're welcome. That's all I, sure. that's all I can do, really. <laughs> right, right. So, and switching gears again a little I bit. I think it's very um, common as well. Yeah, right. It is, yeah. So, Jody. I still have um, my lag. I'm sorry, guys. That's okay, Anna. No that's problem. all right. So, so what do you see as a way for, for long-term success for you? Um, what are the factors that you feel like you need to really keep close to your heart to, to really push your success forward? I think continuing to figure out how to separate my work from my home, that, that will be um, a factor in making this sustainable. So I don't want my kids to say, yeah, my mom was never off of her phone <laughs> or she was always, um, you know, when they think of their mom, I don't want that picture of their my iPhone, you know, glued to my ear. So right. I think having this be sustainable means that I've figured out how to be um, excellent when I'm on and to be off when I'm off and present here. Um, I think figuring out, learning how to manage other um, professionals, that will be also new for me, as is everything I keep doing, keeps being new to me. Um, so I think being able to learn and adapt and how to run how uh, run a business that involves other people, that will be um, another learning step for me. Mm. And um, it's just, it's a lot of communication and... Yeah, I think me just figuring out how that I, I've already started myself on this course and that I um, keep learning and keep being willing to fail, I guess, like we talked about earlier. Right, right. Well, Jody, you know, having gotten to know you now and, and talked to you for the last however many minutes we've been on with you, I can say that I don't think your children are going to grow up thinking that you were glued to your iPhone and that you were ignoring them. I think your children are going to thank you, and your children are going to say, you know, my mom was a really entrepreneurial, innovative person, and she created a life where she could be home more, and she could deliver really high-quality nursing care to people in our community in a sustainable way, and I think they're going to see you as a hero. They're not going to see you as a mother who wasn't there for them. Oh, that is sweet. That would be, if that was the case, I would die happy. It may take well, until they're 40 before they really believe that, but that's how it always is for us, right? Well, Our parents you know, become more amazing as we get older. <laughs> right. That's right. You know, a couple of years of therapy, they'll be fine. So but, true. Okay. That's right. That's exactly yeah, exactly. It. Exactly. <laughs> you know well, what? No. If, if nothing else, they're going to love your biker's legs. Absolutely. Right. There you go. There you exactly. go. You know, I, 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 I I read this cute children's book a few years ago to one of my kids that was talking about this idea that um, just because you're scared, it doesn't mean that that has to keep you from being brave. And so if I um, I am very verbal with my kids about um, the things that I'm afraid of in this and how it, you know, it scares me. And um, so maybe I hope that they can see that too and, um, that it's you can press on in in the in light of being afraid and not not knowing what what the next day looks like. Mm. Wow. Well, well said. And um, Jody, 
We just we need to thank you so much for coming on the show. You have just been incredible and inspiring. And we know that a lot of people will be listening to this show as an archive who weren't able to listen live tonight. And we'll have it up on our website, and we'll be tweeting about it and Facebooking about it, and we hope you will too. And we want to remind our listeners and the chatters and the tweeters that Jody can be found at mymobilemedicine.com. That's www.mymobilemedicine.com. You can connect with her on Twitter, on Facebook, and we're going to be making sure she stays in the spotlight um, from our points of view and from the places that we can help uh, spread the word about the incredible work that she's doing. And Jody, um, we'd love to have you back on someday, maybe you know later this year or next year when you have a couple more nurse practitioners on and we can talk about how things have changed over the months um, since our first conversation. Yeah, tell us how you're doing. I would love that. Thank you guys so much for what you're doing. I think it's very important for uh, inspiring others to think outside the box, too, and um, how can they pursue what what drives them and what fulfills them. So thanks for um, highlighting nurses and changing the world, as it were. Oh, well, thank you, Jody. The feeling's the Thank feeling you. mutual. You're our, Thank you're you our so much. Thanks queen. for coming on. Yeah. It is yeah. my pleasure. And don't forget well, to hit me up. With, <laughs> thanks for well, being a role model. Yeah, and mm-hmm. let's uh, reach out. I want to talk tech, and let's talk co-working, see how we can grow that business. So Let's do that. I would like that. I will find you on Twitter. Definitely. Okay. All right. Good night, Jody. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Good night. Thanks. Good Bye-bye. night, Jody. <laughs> Good night. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So we're going to go ahead, guys, take a quick break, um, and we'll come back after the break, okay? We'll see you in just about two minutes. See you soon. All right. Banjo solo, razzle dazzle, played by Mr. Vessel Osmond at a Sun Records.
tune. trying to fix my tr- what a tune, right? Yeah, yeah. Is your hey, lag Kevin, better? I think you keep go- you keep going off the air. There, you go. my my lag's better, I think, but you keep popping into a uh, hold mode. There you are. You're back. You're back. Stop messing with Kiki, my there? buttons. Stop pushing my buttons, girl. You're messing me up. <laughs> I know. See, you. It's not yeah. me. You see. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it's fine. We can it's the monkey. the monkey. The studio monkey. Exactly. Hey, where's Kitty? See, are you here, brother? Where did he go? He's taking the monkey out back. I don't know. I we lost Keith. Um, so was Jody amazing? Or was Jody amazing? You know, I I um I think she was amazing and. Like I said, Jody, if you're still listening or you listen to the archive, I, I really do want to help you. Um, you know, I've got, I mean, just hearing her talk, I mean, I got so many great ideas myself just to reach out and help her, just as someone who actually gets out in the community and sees uh, patients. So I think she was amazing. This was a great little, uh, great interview. Right, so love having her on. Um, way to turn it around, mm-hmm. Keith, for mm-hmm. reaching mm-hmm. out uh, to Jody to get her on the show since we sort of had a last minute, so to speak, last minute cancellation. Um. And so no, right, I, I right, good, good, good scramble. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, your lag seems a lot better now. I think is my lag better? Good, I good. Cause it was annoying the crap out of me at the end. <laughs> I yeah. felt bad. Um, so Keith, I think Keith's back. I see him back on the line. Yes. Let's bring him back in here. Yes. Keith, you back? Keith, you back, brother? Huh. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. All right. Well, that's okay. You and I, we can we can chat until Keith comes back. That's no. fine. Um, no, that's so, fine. I was so no. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was I was just going to say like you got to watch out since uh, you know we were kind of talking about some hot topics and stuff or if, or if there's anything, but uh, you know I could totally just we could totally degrade from here. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that I'm I'm finding here on the news feed. Right. Looks like Snooky's got a ring now. She's engaged. I mean, you know, stuff like that. Oh, I, I, you're not <laughs> serious, are you? <laughs> that's, she, apparently, you got to check not it out. serious. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Snooky make it onto our show. Please say it's not so. I don't know. I don't oh, know. dear God. All right. You know what? Before Keith kills us, we're talking know, about exactly. Snooky. While he's gone, um, we might want to save ourselves here and, uh, <laughs> and and dip out early, unless we have anything nursing related or, or entrepreneurial. I do want to say thank you so much to uh, to Sherry Lynn in the chat room and to oh, Don yes. Wood for calling in. You guys both had great great questions and comments. Um, Don, you brought up a really good point. I have for a long time come up against this and thought, you know, um, our our institutions of higher learning are doing a great disservice to advanced practitioners by not giving them that business foundation because, you know, they're just preparing them for more, you know, more servitude, more longer servitude, being an employee, you know, not um, really empowering them to break out on their own and do their own thing. And um, I, I appreciate you highlighting that uh, point because that's a that's a really good point. And I think that if there's educators out there listening, um, I know of only at present two nursing schools in the country that run nurse entrepreneurship programs. Um, so there is a huge need for that kind of education out there. And um, 
educators, if you're listening, um, I, I think some people need to start carrying the torch um, and right. filling that need. I think it's a big niche that we could fill. Well, I mean, you know, and seriously, so, do you think? Just my soapbox. Right. Well, and I and I actually pose that question too. I mean, you know, do are we really like cranking out um, advanced practice nurses? Uh, so quickly because we're trying to fill a need or, you know, there's some, some sort of time constraints, but are we truly setting them up for success? Uh, I mean, right. where's the investment? Where Truly, where's the investment? Um, you know, mm-hmm. trying to trip over sort of, I mean, I know we're not necessarily new practitioners, like brand new practitioners, you know, typically you do have some experience as an RN and then you go back for advanced practice. and um, But still, as you're finding your way as an advanced practice nurse, in uh, sort of feeling that out, I mean, feeling out that new role, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we receive support in, you know, advanced pharmacology and assessment. And, but, but yeah, I mean, stepping into that realm of being an entrepreneur, you, you're juggling being a new practitioner at the same time, trying to figure out, you know, feel your way through the, you know, in the dark as an entrepreneur, as a business mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the learning I, curve seems very steep. It's extremely yeah. steep. And again, if we are just not setting them up for success. And I just, like I said, I don't know if it's just the mentality yeah. that we got to yeah. crank people out of school. Same thing with like nurses. I don't know. I feel like just get them turn, you know, kind of like a waiting tables, like turn and burn or something or turning tables. I, I don't know. I mean, uh-huh. it's just, uh-huh. um, we do. We I think there needs to be more discussion. I think there is some of that. Yeah. I, I think there does need yeah. to be some more I also discussion. Think I'm also... No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I also think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that, that uh, Sherry Lynn brought up uh, what she brought up because, you know, it's it's really true. Ten minutes is all some of these uh, providers are getting to spend with their with their patients. And, and like I mentioned, uh, my dear friend, you know, she may get 10, 15 minutes to spend with her patients, and, and that's it. And that is terrifying to her. Um, she's a relatively new NP, and I mean, consider you're a new NP. You're trying to do the best job you can, and you get 10 to 15 minutes to figure this person out. And right. Then you've, and then you've got now prescriptive authority, and you've got to make sure you're prescribing the right thing, the thing that won't, you know, make them sick or kill them. And right. um, I mean, it can be really a terrifying prospect when when you're stuck, you know, with such little time. So, I love. Uh, Jody's model in that it gives um, the provider obviously so much more flexibility and time with their patient, um, and so from the patient's perspective, it's just divine. You know, they're right. getting such incredible care, and it it is uh, in many ways, like Jody said, it's preventing that uh, that litigious sort of uh, cloud that hangs over us. Um, you right. know, it does some damage control there when you really build that relationship. Well, um, but I I I do think we need to find ways to make it profitable. No, I I agree with that. And and again, it's just uh, you know, we talk about investment, you know, the, another area to invest in and that's, you know, the investment of time because literally that hour, I mean, so much that you can gain from just that one hour and if we if we can get higher reimbursement for that, we can actually save the system money um down the road and and as she was talking about prevent right. people Ending up in the ER or urgent care when they probably just have some, you know, needs that could have been met even just weeks and months ago, 
um, or you know just just foreshad like foreseeing some issues coming up, and instead referring them out to their primary, right, right. saying you know maybe we should schedule you an appointment here. Let's let's go ahead and call in now, schedule an appointment, mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. you into your PCP, you know maybe tomorrow next day, rather than letting yeah. that that go, and then boom they're in the ER because they just whatever medical issue they had. Um, right, right. So, um, I just and, keep thinking about you know readmission rates. Uh, you know, CHF, oh, yeah. for example, CHF readmission rates are so high, and that kind of stuff could be so easily prevented um, with this type of model um, and this type of service in people's homes that, that catches yeah. this kind of stuff early, um, you know. So, yeah. But, well, and and I think there's actually some value there because, you know, so she's talking about when you do see patients uh, in the in the home in the community, and you do have to like refer out to ER urgent care. You know, I find myself at least I've had that ability to triage the patient, um, you know, within my scope mm-hmm. and, and do what I can do, and I can actually refer out and say, hey, listen, um, I really think that you know we need to take that next step and get you into urgent care and ER, and whether I accompany them or, mm-hmm. or you know maybe if I don't have time, I can at least call ahead call in and say, hey, doc or whoever, right. the nurse, I've, I, this is my assessment. And that kind of gives them a head start um, on what's going on. So, again, right. it's just you know being right. up in, in the community um, and, and seeing people. And, and that's that's just got to happen. That's got to grow. And I think that's where nurse practitioners, right. I mean, I hope to see more of us out there uh, in the community, not necessarily just traditional home care as we talk about home health, but house calls, house calls. Mm-hmm. I mean, bring it old school, house baby. Calls. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, are you, you know, back, man? Keith, are you back? Have we Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Dear Lord, Keith, where have yeah. you gone? Man. Oh, there you are. You... Can y'all bring me in? <laughs> yeah, you're in, brother. We can hear you. Uh, you're you're in, air, you're right? in, buddy, you're in. Yeah. Oh dear. I'm calling in on my cell phone. We're happy I had to, to uh back. I had to switch technology, speaking of technology. Huh. You might you might want right. to like hire yourself you went off for multi modal on us. I know. You might want to find yourself an innovative nurse to uh, help you with some of your technology, Keith. Well, I think I have one. His name happens to be Kevin Ross, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we can barter. Do you offer, like, free pap smears and, you know, in exchange for tech tech, uh, support? Well, pap smears has never been my thing, but uh, health and wellness coaching. You know, Kevin, if you want to lose weight, if you want to prevent burnout or learn how to talk with your wife in a more... more, um, kind and compassionate way, I can help you there. Yeah, nice, brother. Nice. Now, you know I got you back. Any tech needs you need. Sorry we couldn't figure that out, but I'm glad you're back on the air. Oh, that's okay. So Um, you all, I missed some of that conversation. You all were talking about nurse practitioners and advanced practice nurses and um, their training and what else were you uh, talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy, Keith! I'll tell you, you just you missed all of the. the... We, we were also talking about preventing readmissions and yeah. um, doing some of the um, doing some of the front end preventative work, um, and, and how Jody's model is such a tremendous model for that out in the community to, um, you know, really prevent the bottlenecking at the ERs and prevent a lot of the readmission stuff um, that really just could be nipped in the bud when caught quickly out in the community by an advanced practice. Uh, nurse or, or practitioner. So um, I just really like her model for that reason. Um, and I feel as though, you know, we as a community need to embrace this model and in doing so find ways to um, engage both insurance providers as well as um, 
just kind of put our creative thinking caps on to find ways to really make this um, a profitable model such that it attracts people to it because there's so much good that can come out of it. So, so by making it win-win for everybody, including the provider, um, we we make it sustainable. You know, right? Uh, because you know, right. obviously, if it's not profitable, then it isn't sustainable. And you want this type of model that that is so beneficial for patients to also be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one and one thing is we need we need insurance companies to understand the profitability of prevention. And Jody is providing the type of care right. that that really takes prevention to another level. It's one thing to have a visiting nurse like myself go into a client's home and look in the refrigerator and read ingredient labels with them. It's another one to have a, a mid-level practitioner like a nurse practitioner or PA go into the home mm-hmm. and be able to do that sort of education or even, God forbid, have Diag- a doctor physician, come in yeah. and, do a, and come in and do a, a home mm-hmm. assessment. Um, you know, when I was doing case management, mm-hmm. case management and visiting nurse type work, home care, I would go into clients' homes and I'd come back to a doc and describe what I saw. But to have a diagnostician actually in the home, that is something that I think we haven't mm-hmm. seen since the age of Marcus powerful. Welby, if, if you remember who Marcus Welby was. I think you're dating yourself, Keith. Not a clue, but Be it sounds careful. good. careful. I think I am. I think I am. Okay. Okay, everybody, do the math. I'm now. sorry, Dad. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll talk about Marcus good. Welby later. So. Yeah. Um, I, I agree That's with you. That's another show entirely. Yeah. But, but no, I, I agree with you because we do, you know, because I, I was telling Anna that, uh, you know, myself being in the home, um, you know, being able to, like, really spend some time with people and do the education. And it is great for someone who has prescribing authority because oftentimes, I mean, things do pop in our heads like, well, gosh, this person could really benefit from, you know, maybe this piece of – or this diagnostic piece to, you know, find out, you know, further info or, you know, maybe they would benefit from this medication and ultimately they can they can follow through on that, you know, based on their assessments. Right. So – uh, prevention, right. it, it is. It's definitely taking it to an, another level for you know pre- preventative medicine. Um, what I have always said that the current model of healthcare is akin to you know putting on one's seatbelt after an accident has already occurred. I mean, it, it's it's that's what we do. You know, we, yeah. we we wait for the accident to occur, and then oh oh okay, let, let's let's go ahead and put on our seatbelts now, guys. You know, I mean, that's how it feels. And, right. um, you know, God, imagine if we could actually put on our seatbelt before the accident. Imagine the lives we could save. Imagine the money we could save. Imagine the, the, the resources we could save. Um, and that's really the kind of thinking we've got to introduce um, and amplify in a right. big way. Right. Well, um, what do you guys think about uh, sort of a cash-based business when it, in, in this model? I um, love it. Concierge. Yeah, for yeah, for forego the insurance, and uh, you know I know that there are some providers out there because as she was saying, the back end office staff that you have to have for billing, good grief, I mean, it just right. I'm sure it turns plenty of uh, providers off trying to do something like this. What Jody's doing, mm-hmm. you know? right? And from from my perspective, I think a cash based business can work to some extent, but then I do get concerned in this particular type of situation with 
patients who could really benefit from it being priced out of a cash-based business um, based on their socioeconomic status, and that would be an issue that would come up for me around that. But um, well, Keith, I, I want to um, I want to push back a little and tell or not a pushback, but but maybe tell you I I was speaking with Carol Gino. And Carol, if you're listening, thank you for this uh, this example of awesome healthcare because she told me about uh, a physician that she knows. It may very well be her physician. I can't remember, but a physician that she knows who is what you would call a concierge doctor, and he only does takes cash patients, doesn't want to mess with insurance. And what he has his patients do is, at the beginning of the year, they pay a set fee. So whatever that set fee is, let's call that set fee $1,500, okay? So you pay $1,500, and $1,500 covers um, a certain number uh, of of doctor's visits. Maybe it's unlimited, maybe it's not, but it's it's a good number, right? Uh, Yes. Probably more than you would need. It covers um, prescribing, you know, unlimited prescriptions. It covers certain tests, et cetera, et cetera. And so you pay that up front for the year. And then you don't have to worry about it. You come, you go as you please. He writes your prescriptions, and that's that. He even comes and visits you in your home. Um, And so it's a very personal concierge type of service. However, at the bottom of your agreement, you sign something that says, if I do not use up all of my doctor's visits, I agree to donate the remaining visits to those in the community that are in need and cannot afford these visits. And so what happens is, you know, you get all of your clients signing this. Now this physician has several hours that have been pre-billed that he or she knows will not be used up by this this client population um, just by virtuous statistics, right? And so then he or she can now donate his or her services to those in the community that are in need of those services but could never pay for them. Oh, and so it's, wow. it's, it's in a way having, uh, you know, subsidizing for, for the poor. And, and, you know, those who sign up for it are in full agreement and, in fact, uh, appreciate that this is one of the facets of this doctor's services and that they can be a part of supporting others in need. And it's a wonderful model. Wow, well, thanks for explaining that. You know, it's great to hear. And I think in this in this climate, everyone really has to think out of the box. Everyone has to think about new ways to deliver care. Right. And especially if we want to deliver more well-rounded, comprehensive, preventive care, we have to come up with, with ways to do it. So I, I really appreciate hearing that. that that's really right. interesting. And I hadn't heard of something like that before. So. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a way for us to have win, win, win. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to jump back to um, Jody's model for a second, and it just really got me thinking about seeing this vision of this army of nurse practitioners in cities and in towns all over the country, delivering really incredible preventive medicine right in clients' homes, in their offices, at schools, and adult communities, and delivering care that can be reimbursed very easily by insurance companies and delivering preventive care that will eventually save so much money to be able to fund more providers to deliver this, you know, this same model of care. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Reach I, a critical I, mass. 
Exactly, and I can't see why that model wouldn't work. It's hard for me to imagine why someone wouldn't say, yes, this, this could really this could be a huge boon to the healthcare industry in this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed, sir. I mean, I have the same yeah. dilemma. Like, I don't understand. I, I can't wrap my head around that idea either. Like, why the concept just can't be embraced. So. Mm. Yeah. And I just want to point out that um, there's been a little bit of a tweet chat going on here with Shari Lynn, um, the woman who had posed the question to Jody earlier. And then mm-hmm. um, Ryan Ryan mm-hmm. Medanic or Madnick MD has been um, tuning in a little bit as well. Yeah. And the question came up Great. about how much how much business training nurse practitioners get in nursing school. And the answer, of course, was not much. Mm-hmm. Jody made that really clear. Um, but Dr. Madnick right. um, pointed out here that doctors also receive precious little business training, if any at all. And um, he was saying, right, you know that changes are coming. Changes are in the work in, in the works to get doctors trained for practice, not just taught with for diagnosis and treatment. But so far, it sounds like right. nursing schools and medical schools are really lagging behind in this area. Right. Well, and, well, you and know, again, what that says to me is that shows. Go ahead, Kevin. Go ahead. No, no, you, you go ahead with your lag and everything. <laughs> it's my <laughs> lag. Sorry, it's my lag. I was just gonna say that. Um, I mean, what that says to me is that there is um, just a wonderful niche opportunity for educators out there. Private, you know, I'm envisioning private online educators to to fill that need until you know. Universities and schools, unfortunately, God love them, they're slow behemoths, you know, to to, to adopt anything because everything is done by committee. So, um, you know, while they sit on it and think about it, um, I say some some entrepreneurial minds out there should should jump into the game and, and, you know, we've we've obviously identified a niche where uh, both physicians and nurse practitioners could really use the business support and business education and mentorship and and coaching and um you know going everywhere you know everything from business 101 up to you know just the whole kit and caboodle and so i think that we've really identified a need and so for you any of you out there that are strong in business um here you go <laughs> you know an idea right. on a platter uh, I, I think it's a great one yeah it's go an ahead, idea Kevin. whose time has come right yeah, go ahead, Kevin. Well, no, I was I was going to build on that too, and I mean, I think what you said, um, you know, was was um, right on the money. You know, and, and speaking of money, I mean, yeah, I mean these these uh, physicians do. I see these practices like drying up. Uh, you know, partly do. I mean, they just can't sustain it. I mean, like the business model itself, however it was developed many years ago. Um, maybe even prior to the HMOs, and then you know HMOs came on board. I mean, I think that it's kind of like old school business model, and they've tried so hard to evolve that business model in the midst of this chaos of this insurance chaos. They've really just been putting band aids on it and then right. hemorrhaging, quite frankly. Um, and, you know, in some of these small practices, they've either had to merge with um, tertiary care centers, you know, be bought up by hospitals, insurance companies. Um, it's really sad to see. Uh, that that's occurred and and so yeah we do yeah. need these business consultants to come in and and sort of retrain these docs on how to better 
or more effectively provide their services and actually be reimbursed. Not to mention, you know, we just need these like, you know, we need these consultants that can that can balance some of that between the docs practices and, of course, the insurance companies because it is just completely ridiculous how many people are required to just get something through insurance. I mean, it's just obscene. I just, uh, I don't know. I yeah. just yeah. kind of gets me going. Sorry. Anyway. But doesn't take much, does it? <laughs> what are you trying to say, girl? <laughs> no, I no, love it. it. I love take it. Much to get going. Going. No, no, I just you know, I I'm just very passionate. I enjoy it. I'm passionate. Watch out, ladies. I mean my wife. Great. Sorry. No. Anyway. Oops. <laughs> I mean my wife. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. No, but awesome. I, I this is this was definitely a great show guys. Um you know I think having Jody on was just very eye opening having our nurse pra- first nurse practitioner on the show and I hope that we have more on the show in the future. Loved I'm it. Sure Loved we it. I'm yes. sure we will. I'm sure we will. Different perspective. Yeah. So Thank you, well, Anna, can you can you tell our listeners about um who's on next week or the next several weeks? Yeah, yeah. Okay, quick quick uh, recount for the next couple of weeks. Uh, March 12th, next Monday, we've got Beth Boynton, nurse and author of the book Confident Voices, The Nurse's Guide to Improving Communication and Creating Positive Workplaces. On the 19th, the following Monday, we've got Gwen Dalton, CEO and Chief Educator at Pro Hospice Solutions down in Texas. And to round out the month of March, we have got Coach Michael Pergram, better known as Coach Perg, over at CoachPerg.com. He is a nursing burnout coach, and we're going to have him on as well. Um, so we've got a great month of March ahead for you. We've started off with a bang here with Jody Hoppus of MyMobileMedicine.com. And um, excellent radio show tonight, guys. Really excited. Yeah. And uh, Jody, if you're listening, thank you so much for chiming in or for being here tonight and um, for giving us uh, an incredible perspective from the community. Really appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Jody. Thanks so Agreed. much. Agreed. All right. Well, All we rocked right. it out again. Another so, show. So yeah. Yes. Have a great Monday and a great week. We'll see you next Monday. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a great week to everyone. Night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Thanks for listening to RN.FM Radio, Nursing Unleashed. Signing off until next Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern.